0: back to another episode of bad history bad history oh yes (laughs) Uh, oh we are back and as always i am joined by my beautiful lovely um oh shit i can't think of any it's dave
1: sup it's dave it's dave hey steven how are you doing
0: um, I'm doing okay. I couldn't think of any clever names for you like a normal I do. So
1: Well, you just need to say Dave. <laughs> That's all they need to
0: know. I do just need to say Dave. I need to start doing <laughs> that. Uh so this week on Bad History we have a very exciting episode for you. We are going to be talking about how food changed the world. Uh, food yummy. It's no longer just what's for dinner. Uh it's we're gonna be talking about two specific types of food, um, that will, you know, obviously meant to talk about when we actually talk about our stories but we're gonna be talking about how what they The
1: fuck are you going off about
0: I, I i i don't even know half the time man i normally just kind of like you know steven
1: asked me about my week
0: so dave how's your week been
1: my week was super good so like i mentioned last time i've been making steps to actually have something to talk about in this little segment here so okay steven yes last week i told you was alien week right yeah so Alien Week is over. We watched all the Alien movies and Prometheus. I didn't watch Alien vs. Predator. Why not? My girlfriend because I don't have it. Ah uh, dude, you don't have it? Not, I can loan you my copy. <laughs> it's not worth it. <laughs> and uh so. Her rating put Alien 3 and Prometheus as the two
0: best ones. <laughs> what the fuck? Right? <laughs> All right, uh, she, I get, she liked Alien. Get, get her on the fucking the get her on the fucking line right now. She's out.
1: She's gone. God She's damn it! Here. Ah, um, but I made her watch like the good version of Alien Three, like the extended, oh, okay. uh, director's cut one. So like it's still better than the regular Alien Three. Right. But um, aside from that, though, Steven, I told you <laughs> I'm gonna tell them about this thing that I stumbled across. <laughs> Uh, called The Real Rob. I want to talk it's, about this for like it's, one it's, minute. It, it's so bad. Okay, so The Real Rob is this sort of Curb Your Enthusiasm or Louie style show.
0: I I, I, no, Dan, I was thinking about this today actually as I was driving home. It's Curb Your Enthusiasm meets Louie meets Modern Family.
1: Like, But here's the kicker, right? Is it stars Rob Schneider and... Rob Schneider is an awful human being. (laughs) Oh, God. It's awful. And this show is, like, super entertaining and and super funny, but not because of the way it's written or anything. It's just so cringy, And it's, like, so obvious that Rob Schneider is, like, trying... He's being a try-hard, and it's, like, completely failing him. And it's so sad. And it's so hilarious. It's hard to get through, though. Like, if you think Louie is hard to watch... yeah. The real Rob is hard to watch for the completely opposite reasons because it's real cringe, not fabricated but, cringe. But
0: you know what this this show does is it makes Rob Schneider actually look like a good actor because he legit No it does he is legitimately <laughs> no, the best actor on that show. He's the only actor right. on that show. Well that's what it's that's what I'm saying, Dave, is that it makes him look like a good actor. That's how bad what? it is
1: the character who plays his wife is his real life wife. Who's like this hot young Mexican chick that he married and she can't act worth a damn. No, she's but so bad. He's got, he's got her in like every scene, like showing off her like boobs and stuff. And like, he's just like, I want everybody to know how hot and young my Mexican wife is and how rich and famous I am. Like the jokes are so unrelatable. The first episode is based on the premise that Rob Schneider is famous enough to have a stalker or whatever. Yeah, And that's really unbelievable because nobody likes Rob Schneider. And then he's like, oh, I'm so rich and famous, I got this stalker. But I'm like a normal guy, so I'm going to be friends with him. But be a complete asshole and make sure he knows how rich and famous I am the whole time. It fails on every single level. Uh It starts with like this awkward confessional, and then it goes to Seinfeld-style... Like stand up comedy at the end of the episode, no, no, and it's the, so unfunny. And there's like an awful laugh track that it's so hard to watch. Everybody, you need to go watch the first episode of the show. It's so good. It's but for yeah. like the complete opposite reason. The,
0: he he. So he has a stand up like just kind of thrown in randomly, like Seinfeld. But it's all it's all him like filmed in front of a fake brick wall and a laugh track. Like there's no actual like live audience. It's so that bad. killed me. That was like oh my god that killed me
1: the show is just so awful like it's the definition of so bad it's good like it's trying so hard to be like one of those other shows with like the comedian but he's such a he's such a prick Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean like he just wants you to know that he's an everyday guy but he like has millions of dollars and is a funny comedian it's it's so bad yeah. it's so bad and i think it's a netflix original it's show. on it's
0: on netflix i don't know if it's i don't think netflix slapped its uh its logo onto that you know prized pig but it, it's on Netflix. Oh, it's,
1: if you think adam sandler stuff is unfunny now this is twice as unfunny yeah. like seriously go check out the real rob on netflix i recommend it if you're into cringe Steven though yeah I gotta know did you watch any good movies did you read any good books or play any good video games this week
0: um this week was actually like really busy for me Uh, one of the more stressful weeks I've had in a while Uh, student teaching has been crazy I've uh, two weeks in your student teaching you teach like every single period all day um which it was just. I started my two weeks the last week so I'm finishing it up this week Um, it's been nuts I've been really really stressed and like I uh I lectured for three out of the five days, and um that like majorly caught up to me, and I've been like fighting off uh being sick with that, so that's not, that hasn't been fun. Um and then this week well, that's what teaching
1: is gonna be. Yeah, man. it's, it's what
0: be every like day. I I don't get sick like I I get sick like once a year for like two days, and like that's like me paying my sick toll, and I've gotten sick twice in the last like two months and like that just uh, yeah it's been it's been bad um but then i went back to charleston to a job fair (laughs) and uh nice yeah uh and then that's kind of been my week so far and uh this weekend coming up i'm going to charleston so that's kind of uh going going down to charleston for my uh my sister's birthday on friday and uh so that's it should we jump into the history uh or, or do you have any other pressing matters that you need to yeah. fucking... All right, I guess you're going to talk over to me. Let's do it, Let's play the music. All
1: right, Steven. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Steven. So, the food that changed the world that I chose is... Sugarcane, Mmm. sweet, mm-hmm. sweet, mm-hmm. yummy. Mm-hmm. Got that sweet. So, spot. a little background on sugarcane. Got that. So sugarcane sugar has it has been around. Sugar tooth, sweet tooth. Look at that sugar tooth. <laughs> this is my sweet tooth. This is his beat up cousin, the sugar <laughs> tooth. It's just covered in
0: holes. It's black. It lives in a trailer cane. behind the molar. <laughs> oh god.
1: so sugarcane has been grown for thousands of years it started in south and southeast asia uh, and it was domesticated about 8,000 years ago Uh, so arab traders you know introduced sugar that they found from india to the abbasid caliphate and it was a big ass hit everybody was like this sugar shit's delicious uh from there it traveled across africa and into europe uh, today, in 2010, which is today, um, sugarcane is the world's largest crop. It was cultivated on about 23.8 million hectares in more than 90 countries. I think you're just uh, making up units now, Dave. <laughs> with a worldwide harvest of 1.69 billion tons, right? Uh, this is the plant in total, not the yield Uh, That would be wheat, which is a little bit bigger in that sense. Uh, So sugarcane, though, is super sensitive as a plant. And it requires a hot, humid, tropical uh, climate, really fertile soil. Uh, It can't have any really rampant uh, carnivorous insects. Or not carnivorous, sorry. (laughs) The other thing. (laughs) Herbivorous insects that'll, like, fuck it up. Uh, but sugarcane is also just really crazy effective, right? So it's one of not the most efficient photosynthesizing plants uh, in the entire plant kingdom. So one sugarcane plant with a square meter of sunshine, uh, if you're, like, plotting out where to grow it, can produce about 15 kilograms of cane before a harvest. So this can make a lot of sugar, and it can make a lot of money. And this is why the Americas were super great for growing sugarcane for the Europeans who didn't have the, the right climate. And actually, your good old buddy, Christopher Columbus, uh, was the that first person guy. to – he was the first person to bring sugarcane to the new world because it doesn't grow there indigenously he brought it to Hispaniola in the Caribbean during I think his second voyage and there it flourished it became a cash crop Uh, they used it to make molasses and in its molasses state it was easily shipped to Europe to make uh, like rum and sugary delicious things rum being fucking the best thing in the world as we all know uh, and sugarcane became this hallmark of colonialism. And sugarcane plantations were the most valuable territories. Uh, actually, um, France traded all of Canada to Britain in return of its uh, Caribbean sugarcane territories of Guadalupe, Martinique, and St. Lucia after the Seven Years' War. And uh, after the Seven Years' War also, the Dutch would rather keep their uh territory in south america of suriname as opposed to fighting for uh getting new york back fucking new york like new york the state they had a claim to it and instead they would rather make their sugar producing uh territories in the south and as we all know that worked out great for them uh so this also led to a kind of dark period called the triangle trade if you're familiar with american slavery so the way the triangle trade worked was that sugarcane production across the americas brought more slaves over history uh, to the americas than any other single item and this includes cotton and one leg of the triangle trade was the slaves were brought from or bought sorry from africa with manufactured goods from europe And then they were brought from Africa across the Atlantic to American plantations. The Middle Passage. In the Americas, the slaves worked harvesting materials such as sugarcane. They were packaged and shipped to manufacturing centers in Europe. And then these manufactured goods were shipped from Europe using American materials. And they're sent to Africa to purchase more slaves. So it's this terrible, evil triangle cycle And it's the narrative of American history, and it's awful, and it sucks. Mm -hmm. Uh, So at one point at its height, sugarcane accounted for an entire third of European economies. So shit was important, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, it definitely was.
1: Definitely was. Uh, And this leads to the American War... Of independence and this is the story i'd like to tell you guys today so the american revolution the american war of independence uh the story is of course that no taxation without representation the dumb old brits came over got their butts whooped we got independence happy day right
0: oh happy day
1: What a happy day. Yeah, so that's the the story, is America rules, fuck you Britain, you suck dick. But a little background tells you it shouldn't have been as simple as that, right? So Great Britain at the time is the world's greatest empire and the largest superpower of all time. It had territories all over the world, in the Middle East, in the Caribbean, the Americas, the colonies, and Canada. All over Africa, South and Southeast Asia, Australia, and India, its forces are all over the place. They've got to be spread super thin, right? The American War of Independence was won out of circumstance and luck, and that's kind of controversial because Stephen and I are super pro Americans. Oh, God bless her. Oh, for sure. She's the she... fucking old glory wave. May, may she always reign. But it's true. In 1775, the British begin the American War of Independence. (laughs) They fight with 40,000 troops. They bring over 94 ships. Uh, They're accompanied by 20,000 loyalists in the colonies and 30,000 Germans. So that seems like a lot of force. But in truth, it isn't in terms of the grand scheme. And what a lot of people don't know about the American revolution is that there was sort of a second war going on in the Caribbean theater. Uh, there were huge naval battles in the West Indies, especially with, uh, you know, the colonies allies, France. So France, once it allies itself with the colonies is like, we got your back but also, it's because we fucking hate Britain. Everybody hates Britain. Yeah. Britain's the big dick on the block. So, <laughs> they are like... It's
0: easier to gang up on Britain and just hate them.
1: So, what they decide to do is just fuck with the territories that Britain loves and cares about in the West Indies to sort of divide Britain's attention. And it really happens. It, it really works. And once uh, this guy he hears about it he's the french governor of martinique he once he immediately hears of france's involvement against the british he invades dominica which was a british uh sugarcane colony because the french hate the british that fucking much right and then two or three years later spain hears about this and joins the french in 1779 And their combined naval forces were actually greater than Britain's, which Britain hadn't had to deal with since the Dutch in the 1500s. And they had they were fucking like, oh, shit. Right. So at this point, Britain is spread extremely thin and focuses its navy in the West Indies and engages in a lot of very violent battles. And one of these is called the Battle of the Saints, uh, or also known as the Bataille de la Dominique in French. That was this tasty, was a- Dave. Good stuff. <laughs> oh, you like that? Yeah. <laughs> this was a huge naval battle in which the British sent in 36 warships against 33 French warships. Nice. Uh, and this happens because the British hear that France <laughs> is about to make a move on Jamaica. They're going to invade. And that Spain would send a fleet to aid once they'd landed. And Jamaica is one of the largest sugarcane producers in the British Empire. And the British said, uh, we're not going to fucking lose it. So British Naval Commander Admiral George Rodney went to meet them. And the British wreck the French. And the invasion of Jamaica is halted. And this huge battle, it, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort away from the major land war effort happening in the colonies. And many scholars claim that this naval focus on the West Indies, protecting sugar-producing territories, really gave the military edge to the 13 colonies and ultimately allowed them to claim victory. And in the end, most believe that, to the British at the time at least, the 13 colonies were less economically important but were more territorially imprimor- or important. Sorry. So in the end, most people believe that to the British at the time, the colonies were less economically important than, say, these sugarcane-producing territories. Uh, they were more territorially important, right. but the British were more willing to lose them rather than their sugarcane-producing Caribbean I- islands, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that's really the main reason why america won its war of independence is the british were too busy fighting to keep its sugarcane producing territories alive and they didn't throw their entire full force at the americas they didn't throw the full might of the british navy which was the biggest and you know brightest in the world and so they sort of just gave up the americas or not the americas uh the colonies and decided to keep protecting you know, their sugarcane-producing uh, territories in the West Indies. This, however, was before the King Cotton movement, mm-hmm. which really made Britain realize how much they fucked up. Yeah, yeah, they don't do it. They fucked up.
0: <laughs> don't do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's my story of how sugarcane changed the Man. world. It allowed oh. the United States to gain its independence.
0: Wow, yeah, that's pretty um, pretty big. <laughs> Uh, good stuff, man. That was a great story. Uh, definitely, thanks, dude. yeah, informative. I, honest to God, being totally honest here, I did not know that. So neither did I. Um, I
1: like totally was unaware of the second theater of the American Revolution in the right. West Indies and the Caribbean. Very so sinister. yeah, I learned a lot.
0: Uh, wow, yeah, very cool. Um, well, thanks for the story, man. Yeah, no problem. Should even yeah.
1: I want to hear your shit. Play that fucking well, let's, music, let's white
0: play, boy. Let's <laughs> <laughs> that was my transition music. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Dave. Yo. Uh, so my, uh, my fit that I'm going to be talking about has a lot to do with yours, actually. Um, really yeah it does it uh it was grown oftentimes right alongside sugarcane oh and it's coffee
1: you can't have coffee without sugar you
0: can't have coffee without sugar man and look uh coffee has been hugely influential for the course of the world not just uh in the where it was where it was grown during you know that time period next to sugarcane in the west indies and in the caribbean but also just all over the world through you know since it was first discovered back in the uh, early medieval ages. Um, you know I have to work in the Middle Ages at some point at this podcast. Oh my day,
1: god, but. I was waiting. It was like fucking knights in their fucking horses sipping on coffee. Yep, I was waiting, waiting. To about <laughs> <laughs> this. You know,
0: you know I have to throw <laughs> it in there. It's it's part of my contract. When we when we signed the contract with Big Podcast to do this, uh we I had to put in the there was a clause that said I had to talk about the Middle Ages in every episode.
1: Stephen is pushing that Middle Ages agenda. Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm getting paid off by the uh by uh by the
1: Renaissance Fair Committee. The Renaissance Fair Committee. <laughs>
0: uh so uh so coffee is the is, is hugely important. Uh just economically speaking nowadays or er, in modern time it's the second most traded good in the world um Damn. yeah it's 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 seconded only to oil which makes sense uh but it's it's it it's the second most traded uh, good in the world and this makes sense because it it has a much like sugarcane it's a very specific climate that it must be grown in um So specific, in fact, that's really only grown in three places in the whole entire world. And when I say three places, I don't just mean like climates. I mean, literally pretty specific places. Um, So uh, it was it was originally discovered in Ethiopia. Uh, and that's one of the places that it's primarily pri- primarily grown, as in Ethiopia and around that area in Africa. But it was originally discovered in Ethiopia, and it's considered kind of the home of coffee. And so there's a really kind of cool story that uh, is associated with coffee. It's that uh, there is this goat herder named uh, I. I'm probably gonna pronou- mispronounce this name, and I apologize in advance. But uh, Kaldi, K A L D I, and yeah. Um, so he noticed one day that his goats were full of energy and were running around acting a fool. And he noticed that they were eating these, these crazy, re- goats. This crazy goats, man, <laughs> what are they going to think of next? And he noticed that they were eating these red berries. And so he goes over to investigate and, uh, and he takes one, pops him, pops it in his mouth and he feels, you know, feels this burst burst of energy. And, uh, he, you know, at the time didn't realize, but he had just eaten a coffee bean or i should say a coffee yeah. coffee fruit um, because the way that the coffee coffee bean is harvested is it grows inside of this fruit it's this red fruit it looks a lot like a cherry in fact when you refer to the coffee the fruit on the outside it's called the cherry and there's this kind of this 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 fruit very high in protein and inside is this uh, is this coffee bean this this green it's... yellowish green coffee bean Hey Steven, yeah. can
1: you get that nowadays? Like, is that an edible thing?
0: That uh you can you, buy? you don't really want to eat it because we have because
1: t- that shit would sell more than
0: tobacco. Yeah, <laughs> 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 this is coffee part two. The whole thing this time, and um, <laughs> but I mean, you you can I'm sure. Uh, I don't know if you necessarily want to. It's not good. We have so much other better shit that you can be eating. Um, it's it's it, you know it's. It looks pretty, but it's just this high in protein, kind of flavorless. Because, uh, like,
1: I for one don't like the taste of. Well, you th- you
0: definitely won't like the taste of this bullshit. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So he he eats one. He notices that it's very high in protein, and then he gets a bunch of them and he takes them into town. And some monks, uh, so, some monks, you know, try them out, and it kind of spreads from there. And you know, the rest is history. Uh. And, so crazy, Monks. Yeah, I know. Um, but originally, Dave, the coffee was actually not even roasted. Um, early on, it was the fruit that was eaten. Uh, and what yeah. they would do is they would mix the fruit with uh, animal protein to create kind of like this protein bar situation. And, uh, oh, shit. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, but and then eventually it moved into where it was being used as a drink. And what they would do is they would kind of di- not, not distill, but uh you know render the fruit into a drink and then eventually they just rendered the whole entire berry into a drink including the coffee seed and it wasn't until about the 1300s that uh the coffee actually the coffee bean actually began to get roasted and you, you see coffee develop and uh, so this coffee is able to make its way back to um to Mecca which is the uh, the mecca of the, the mecca Islam. yeah it's crazy that a town became like uh adjective yeah you know what i mean um, yeah mecca yeah um, is like the center yeah but when i say mecca i do mean legitimately mecca and well, you know
1: why that is right steven why mecca is they call them like the, the mecca of something why is because when you pray uh oh, yeah, five you, times a day right you, you face, face
0: towards mecca that's right yeah um But and so, uh, it spread. It it has its high high prevalence within, uh, within kind of the Islamic like sphere of influence, primarily the Middle East and and into Turkey. And in fact, we we have this thing called Turkish coffee, um, which I'm sure you've heard of this before, Dave. so Turkish coffee is, I, I, I haven't looked this up, but I'm only assuming one of the earliest forms of how coffee was, was um, actually consumed as like coffee. Um, so what it is is it's literally coffee, co- roasted coffee beans ground very, very fine, even finer than espresso. And what they would do is you put it at the bottom of, of a metal, it, it looks like a metal kind of cup on a, big, on a big metal rod. And what you do is you put it on the bottom with water. And then you, you put it over direct heat, and it kind of starts to foam up. And when it foams off, up, you take it off with the foam recede, put it back on, foams up, and you repeat, repeat this process. And then you drink it after the coffee has settled back to the bottom, and you just you drink it to a certain point. And obviously, the coffee's all settled at the bottom, so you don't want to drink it too much, or you're just going to drink a bunch of gross-ass coffee grounds. Um, <laughs> but it's called Turkish coffee. And I can only imagine this was how, you know, one of the earliest ways that it was actually consumed. And it makes a lot of sense. You know, there's nothing fancy about this, really. Um, So for about 300 years, it's kind of kept as a close secret. Um, You know, coffee is kept as a very much an uh, uh, Islamic thing until eventually an Islamic uh, traveler grabs some some, uh, seeds that were not that were fertile. Uh, and takes them over to Europe and um, introduces tr- introduces Europe to the wonder that is coffee. And from there, it kind of explodes. And um, this is this is sixteen hundreds when this is happening. So the you know the new world is perfect for this coffee, right? Oh yeah, because coffee like sugar cane requires a very specific um, specific uh, atmosphere to be grown in a specific uh, type of weather, a specific type of climate. Um, so, and, and the new world's perfect for this. Uh, and so it's taken over to the new world. And, um, this is actually the one, some of the, I mentioned there's like th- around like three places that coffee is, can only really be grown, uh, the Ethiopian area, um, and other parts, other parts of Africa. Uh, but it's, if you notice, it's all kind of the same belt area of Af- Africa, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, the same general, like, uh, longitude and, um, and the new world in Central America and parts of South America are really the only areas that coffee can be grown in, um, which is why it's such a yeah, highly th- traded I, product.
1: Yeah. I think like, um, me and most people, uh, when we think of like modern coffee, because like Ethiopian coffee is sort of way too luxurious, I guess, um, mm-hmm. cause it's really expensive when I think of like modern coffee and where it comes from, it's mostly like Colombia and Honduras and, and
0: stuff right. like that. Right. So the New World's kind of a perfect place for this coffee to to uh, to thrive for coffee trees to 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 thrive and um and so this is kind of what I'm going to talk about is this coffee in the New World. So this two stories this week are going to be very similar, and I'm not I'm not sorry about that. Uh, but so but like so, why do we give a shit about coffee? Um, why is it important? And I've got kind of two very different reasons. Um, and there one of them is a negative and one of them is more positive. Uh, the first I'm going to talk about this is a negative. We'll just get the sad stuff out of the way. Uh, but coffee coffee was a, was a major crop that was worked by slaves, much like sugar cane was. Um, and in a lot of ways, we're kind of still feeling the effects of that just beyond the very obvious effects that's of slavery. Um, yeah. So, Specifically, what I'm going to talk about, and obviously this can be applied to many, many other places, is I'm going to be talking about Haiti. And so before Haiti was Haiti, it was um, uh, San Domingo. And uh, this was a colony owned by the French who acquired it in 1625 from the Spanish. And if you know anything about Haiti, you know that it's on it's one half of, a, of an island. And they share, yeah. share the other half with the Dominican Republic. And uh, it's, it's not a big island and, um, and uh, Cuba's Cuba's bigger than than this island is and so um you know this island this island isn't big but it's perfect for growing crops that's exactly what the french did the french grew had uh sugarcane plantations in fact very big sugarcane plantations and lots and lots of coffee plantations um and this was all this island was used for and you talk about how important these islands are and they're hugely important at, one, at their highest point, San Domingo was growing a third of all the coffee in the whole entire world. He, yeah. It was huge and um, and they were also producing a large amount of sugarcane as well but, uh, but so they, it was a huge amount and um, one thing you have to realize about this is that there were the, the people that ran this that ran these operations, the French that ran these operations, they didn't actually live there. What they would do is they ma- they would make the trek from Paris, you know, every so often to make sure things were going well. But they they weren't actually living there, and because of that, no cities were really developed. I mean, and I'm, when I say no cities, I legitimately mean there were no cities. There were plantations. Wow, really? Yeah, there were plantations, mm-hmm. and there were like you know depots, but it was like. No major cities at all because there was no need for major cities. No one was living there. The only people that were living there were working the farms and working the plantations, and every, you know, all, and it was you were either a slave or an indentured servant, or you were someone who was running it. And if you were running it, odds are you weren't living there all the time. Or if you were, you didn't need anything because the French brought it over. And so there was well, very there. Stephen,
1: were- did did the native population <gasps> just like get forced into the the slavery well, as well? Like, yeah. did they not have, like, villages and stuff? Or? I
0: mean, they were, but you also have to remember the Spanish were controlling just, like, it before the French. So they yeah. they either killed everybody <laughs> or everybody died off. Um, and so there were really, and it wasn't big enough for, you know, these kind of native towns to thrive. Um, but so there were no modern, you know, there was no Boston, right? There was yeah. no, like, there were no major towns. And after, um, After Haiti eventually gained its independence from France, which was – I I could spend a whole episode talking about how messy that conflict was. Um, They had nothing to go off of. There was zero infrastructure. Zero infrastructure. And because of that, like, they were pretty much starting from scratch, which they're still feeling the effects of. I mean, we we hear a lot about Haiti after the terrible earthquake that hit them. And the reason why it was such a big problem was because their infrastructure was so hastily put together – um, because not only were they had nothing to go on, but they were also paying a large amount of money to France. It's a long story how that happened, how they gained their independence from France, and then had to pay France. But they they had to do that for a very long time, and so they had their infrastructure was hastily put together and shoddily made. Um, and so they're still feeling these effects of that. And that was, you know, obviously not not. There was lots of things that went into that, but the coffee plantations and the growing of crops was certainly one of them. Um, yeah. But now on to the more positive things. Uh, Yay. yeah, yeah. Coffee was an equalizer. It was an equalizer and a unifier. Um, and so we wonder why people you know, you know how there's always this thing it's like, oh, these people just go to coffee shops and hang out, right? Yeah. So we always talk about why do people feel the need to hang out at coffee shops, and that's because that's literally what we've been always been doing since the formation <laughs> of coffee shops that has always been happening. The, the the French Revolution was planned in coffee houses. Yeah. In the Islamic world, the coffee house was meet, a meeting point where ideas and knowledge were all exchanged. That they, they were these hubs of information, uh, much, like, much like bars are. Uh, coffee houses are hubs of information. It's like you start your day uh, with, with, a, with a cup of coffee, and you, you talk to people, and you share ideas, and they're hubs of information. You end your day with a cup of coffee after work, and you share ideas and information. You, you, know, you spend time there drinking coffee, planning revolutions. I mean, they're hugely in, important and to, like, to that. Um, also, really funny story. The United States permanently made the switch to coffee after the uh, Boston Tea Party so oh, yeah, af- yeah after yeah. the boston tea party it was considered unpatriotic to drink tea so they all start people started drinking coffee that's why in america we drink coffee not tea um also another good thing that coffee did was it caused people to stop being drunk so much yeah that's a
1: good thing yeah
0: because um this is something i found out about while i was researching this and uh there's this uh, there's uh, this amazing book that i haven't read but it kept popping up as I was doing research, called "Uncommon Grounds," um, and it's this this really in depth look into uh, into coffee and the history of coffee and um, everything everything kind of related to that. And there's multiple editions, and um, it's uh, it's you know it's just it, I'm probably going to read it at some point. It looks like a fantastic book. So if you're more if you're more if you're interested in that thing sort of thing, then uh, definitely that's a good place to start. But uh, I found while I was doing research, and uh, the author mentions this that the uh, people would kind of start drinking immediately when they wake up. When they woke up, and in fact, there was this um, there's this famous breakfast item called beer soup that people would beer have soup. would have people would have for breakfast. And I looked up a recipe because I was you know extremely intrigued, as I should be. And it honestly is just like. It's like beer as a base. And then there's like whole bunches of other shit kind of thrown in and like eggs and stuff. And it's like you pour it over bread and it's just like it's still beer. And so and coffee kind of started replacing that. And so it stopped people from being drunk so much. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) so that's my case for coffee. Um, I sort
1: of, like, imagine this, uh, like, sort of whirlwind change where you see these, like, knights and, like, uh, peasants just chilling over, like, beer. And they're, like, sloppy. Yeah, And yeah. this, like, whirlwind goes by and blows all their clothes off. And now they're wearing, like, black sweaters and tinted sunglasses <laughs> and tight jeans holding coffee. Like, so much more civilized.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fantastic. Good shit, Steven. Thanks, man. I appreciate story. that. Thank you. That's my case I think for it's coffee. interesting
1: that in all of the world's foods and all of their histories you and I chose two things that like are sort of similar, you know.
0: Yeah. And that yeah. neither of
1: them are really food. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> we could have oh, done shit.
0: so much and that's what we chose, but hell, yeah, I'm not I'm not sorry. I'm
1: not mad either. It was yeah. a good week, good story. Was,
0: yeah. Um yeah, that that was that was fun, man. I enjoyed I enjoyed talking about that with you. I enjoyed researching that with you, and I'm sure that's one of those topics we can return back to.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, we could do it again and again and again. Just mm-hmm. like several we've got going so far. Speaking but, of that, though, do you have any idea what the fuck yes. we're supposed to be doing next week?
0: I do actually.
1: Oh wow, I haven't heard this. yeah hear
0: So looking towards next week because this week was last week. Uh, we got a suggestion from a listener.
1: Oh, wow, uh, really?
0: We really, we honest to God did over Twitter or I'm sorry, not on Twitter. It was on Reddit. It was on Reddit. We got a suggestion from, uh, from, from, uh, from the listener. He runs a podcast called movie date podcast. Uh, and he suggested Ooh, movie that Date movie date podcast. Yeah. Um, he, he suggested, and I think this is a fantastic idea that we should do famous historical couples.
1: Famous historical couples, just in time for Valentine's Day. Just in time Day. for
0: Valentine's Day, man. Miss our mark right once up. again. Uh, but what do you think about that? I think it's a great idea.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot to explore there. Uh, so the
1: rules are, historical couples, you can't do Ferdinand and Isabella. You can't do Bonnie and Clyde. You can't do... can't do... Oh, I wasn't even thinking about Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, okay. You, you can't do Louis, and you can't do Marie Antoinette. Yep, sounds good. Or Cleopatra and Mark Antony. Ah, damn it. All right. <laughs> or any other medieval shit that you're going to do. You can't
0: do that. You know I'll, so, f- you know I'll find uh, a way. To like... I'm making you step out of your comfort
1: <laughs> box, and you got to do something not medieval.
0: Can I do pre-medieval? Yeah. Cool.
1: Accept my challenge.
0: I accept a challenge. I won't do anything medieval. I'll do something that can't even be tied to the medieval era. There you go. That sounds like it. Doing it. Um, also, uh, that actually, no, that, that's it for me. Well, we got to do plugs. Oh, shit. Yeah, but listen, I'm doing plugs a little bit differently because I have a few things to say beforehand. Um, so I want to give a big shout out to two people. Uh, or two organizations, I guess, more than anything. The first shout-out I want to give is to this podcast called uh, Shot of History. Um, it's this... Uh, they were, uh, I guess, a Facebook great, uh, page and Twitter group before, and they did, they just released, recently released a podcast, but before they were even doing that, they were huge fans of the show. Um, uh, I yeah, yeah. Really you know, really gave us a bunch of love, and um, it was really cool. Um I've, I've spoken to the guy who runs it and he's a really nice guy. And they recently released a podcast, um, which is, which I'm really enjoying. They just released, I think today they're kind of made an episode and, um, and they gave us a shout out on there, which is really cool. So, uh, want to return the favor, go listen to shot of history. They're on iTunes and SoundCloud, uh, really good stuff. If you like our, our podcast, you'll, you'll love them. Um, and it's uh, they have three hosts on the show, and they're all fantastic. So go listen to them. Shout out history! Thank you guys for giving us a shout out, and thank you guys for the continuing love and support. Also, right on. Yeah. Um. The the second second shout out I want to give, um, is to uh, is to historypodcast.com. Uh, we got an email. It was I guess it was this past Friday. Um, and. Uh, it was the guy who runs this this website called historypodcast.com and it's pretty much a directory for all podcast history and he sent us an email It was like a personalized email like hey we added your show to the website here it is um here's all the info let us know you know all this stuff i thought it was really cool and um today he gave us a shout out on twitter and facebook and um so you know huge lots of love there i think what he's doing is really really cool having a directory for all the history podcasts, and so much love to to historypodcast.com uh we'll link in the post this week kind of our where that website is and where you can find us on the website and their facebook page and twitter and all that good stuff and um but yeah so lots of love all around it's been fantastic um i'm gonna get on my not my soapbox but i just wanna i wanna say real quick dave if, if i can go ahead. I'll um, allow it. Oh, thank you. Uh, I've been I've been kind of digging into the Twitter and uh, I found a lot of really really cool people on Twitter. A lot of a lot of really cool podcasts that um you know, there's this really cool sense of community between all the history podcasts on on Twitter and I think it's because we're kind of a small smaller group. And so lots lots of love between the, all the history podcasts and it's been really cool. Um and I've been just really enjoying you know meeting new people and talking to new people and so that's been a lot of fun and um so yeah i just wanted LOL, to lol lots L- of love lol lots of love um so grandma that's, passed away yeah, lol lol <laughs> lots of love <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah so that's my that's kind of my uh moment. Well, steven yeah dude but i'm not done yet oh shit uh yeah so if you enjoyed the programming that you just heard you can, Which you, didn't. Which you probably did. Uh, you can find us on lots of different places. Uh, iTunes, of course. We're, of course, we're on iTunes. Uh, Please don't. You can just type in Bad History. You'll find us there. do uh, you, you can won't. leave us a rating or review. Dave, you want me to, uh, to read a review? Yeah, do it. Okay, let me pull one up. You'd think I'd have this ready, but you'd be wrong.
1: You'd think a lot of things about this podcast, and you'd
0: be wrong. I have a review uh this is from a guitar girl and girl play that guitar play the guitar girl uh happy
1: international women's day Guitar how, yeah, girl. happiness
0: at you know, damn it day we missed our fucking mark again <laughs> god
1: damn it <laughs> now you know when we recorded this yeah. uh
0: so the title of this is the history major is happy this podcast is like sitting down with friends and talking about history it's fun Funny and informative. They don't pretend to be experts and don't pretend that all the facts are 100 percent true. Uh, God damn it, you're right <laughs> about that. And this is totally okay. It's a casual conversation, a great listen. Well, thank you so freaking much. I think I think that nails kind of what we're going for here.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: Uh, yeah, we don't we don't claim to be experts at all. No. Not even a little bit. No. Not not even once. Uh, we're not
1: even history involved anymore. He's a teacher. I'm, I'm starting I'm, to become a I'm lawyer.
0: Fucking involved in history.
1: I mean, you're a history teacher. That counts
0: for something, Dave. No,
1: it counts for a lot, I agree. But, like, we're very much not, like,
0: no, you know, I know, I know what you writing mean. history. <laughs> oh, yeah, now I know what you mean. Um, But, uh, so, on iTunes, leave us a rating review. We love them. Uh, we have 33 now, which is real cool. Uh, we're also, our base of operations is dot bought bad history podcast.podbean.com check us out there we post all of our new episodes there uh you can follow us on facebook and itunes itunes at bad history cast facebook bad history podcast um give us a follow, follow us give iTunes. us a like um you know stop by and say hey we'll uh we'll, we'll say hey back um and then we're also on a whole bunch of directories stitcher uh google play at some fucking point whenever they decide to like do that shit uh, <laughs> we're like, like the great thing about podcast directories is that most of them just kind of pull from like bigger my anus, yeah, but from your anus, <laughs> but from bigger directories like Stitcher and iTunes. And so, like, I'll go to like a smaller podcast directory and our podcast will just already be on there. So, that's really cool. Um, and then, of course, you can find us on, on historypodcast.com that's history, uh, uh history hyphen podcast.com. So, find us there and i think that's it for my plugs man
1: yay thank god
0: yeah so Jesus. let's go ahead uh we'll end this we'll end this episode and uh come catch us next week when we talk about historical couples and love, love.
1: my name is dave uh
0: my name is steven
1: happy history and good scrolls everyone
0: Perdicus. <laughs>